Hello and welcome to the 92nd episode of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast where we talk all things movies. And tonight we are reviewing Guava Island, the new film from Donald Glover and Stephen Glover and Rihanna and Hiro Murai. Probably the shortest film to call itself a feature film in like 80 years. Yeah, is it? I thought like, well, not to get into semantics, but you know, technically a feature film is anything over 70 or 75 55 minutes yeah i don't yeah it, it was it was a little fluid like in you know the 20s and 30s that kind of definition but yeah it's been pretty standardized as you know at least i would say 80 minutes is kind of the the minimum you see these days well my curiosity with that i mean not to get too into it but you know it's like could this be nominated for best short film at the Academy Awards? Right. Yeah. How is that? I don't know if the Academy has a specific time limit on that. I don't, I don't know actually. Yeah, that'd be interesting to look up. I, I just kind of thought about that. And now, hmm. well, as you can tell, it's me, Cameron Salina, and Trevor Allison tonight. Um, Jake is off making movies instead of talking about them. So, as they say, those who can't us. do talk. Which is funny, because we were both teachers at one point. Huh. That's true. Those who can't do teach, you know? That's what they say. That's what dumb people say. Yeah. Those people know very little about what goes into teaching and about why people teach. This is what it is. We don't need to get into that. All right. Before we get into that, something, you know, I don't know. I guess you could say it was somewhat big happened this week. Hmm? Tiny, small. It's. It, it, we just wanted to bring your attention to it because you know, as the audience, you guys probably haven't heard of that. And part of what we like to do here is bring people's attention to things that maybe they don't know as much about, or maybe that isn't as mainstream. But um, a trailer was dropped this past week for Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. I think is what it's called. Yeah, I think that's know, right. it's you know, small, very low budget film that um i mean i i want to look up the trailer and it can't have more than like you know ten thousand views or something right i'd i'd recommend for those of you that haven't to check out the previous eight films in the series well i mean do you think that rogue one and solo are necessary well sure i i mean um, i think they definitely add to the understanding and are also very good what about the hundred plus episodes of clone wars um, yeah, okay, just um, watch all of the visual media in the Star okay. Wars universe. Cool. Yeah, no, uh, Star Wars dropped the trailer for the ninth and final film in the Skywalker saga. And of course, you know, being the last film in the saga, they decided, hey, let's just title it after Skywalker. So Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which is a title that we didn't even know before the trailer dropped at Star Wars Celebration either. Yeah, and the first, the first time that... Um, someone has been specifically mentioned by name in a t- title in this series. I mean, I guess except for Solo, but that doesn't right. really count. Because that's his movie. But, I mean, Trevor, with that, you bring up an interesting point, something that you had sent us. What, why don't you go over what you had sent us so, about the theory of the title? This was one of those third-hand things that someone posted from somewhere, from somewhere that originated on Reddit. Um, as all good ideas originate these days. Um... Right, right. So this is an interesting thing. It's the idea that um, the name Jedi for what for the people who are Force users 
is going away because there are no more, as we symbolically happen, spoiler alert, in The Last Jedi, one of the best Star Wars films ever made. Um, and that Skywalker is what Ray and those like her will become known as. Um, which I think is interesting because what I don't want to happen is God help me, JJ, you're going to really hurt my heart. If you decide that Ray's parents after all, or Ray's that Luke is after all Ray's dad. I don't think that heavily implied that was not the case in the last Jedi. Yeah. That would make me pretty upset. I don't think that's her dad. I'm, I flip flop back and forth on this. I don't, I don't feel like I would be upset if they retconned Ray's parents because they've established Kylo Ren's a bad guy. So why would he be honest with her? Why would he, you know? Sure. I still don't want it to be Luke, no matter what, because that's right. that's a bummer. That's just not interesting. I'm fine if it is like Han or Leia somehow. Um, I'm more interested if her parents are somebody. On the off chance, what if she is, you know, how Anakin was Darth Plagueis's son type thing, or like Darth Sidious's son in a way? I'm also fine if like Ray ends up being like another Anakin type thing. Yeah, I I don't think I'm fine with that, but I don't think it will happen because they would have to say midi chlorians on screen, and JJ won't do that <laughs> for for good reason. I mean, that being said, I'm fine if he wants to backtrack on the parents thing, but I really hope that this entire movie isn't just a retcon of eight. If they spend the entire movie making up for what eight, what some people feel like eight should have been, that's going to be pretty frustrating to end the trilogy on that. Or I guess end the whole series on that because yeah. they've come out and said they're not making any Skywalker movies, at least for a very long time. And they're not really putting out Star Wars movies either for at least a little bit. The next series is series is series films. I don't know what, but apparently Ryan Johnson and the Game of Thrones showrunners are working on the next 10 years of films. And it's hard to tell if they're working on individual series or if they're working together on something, but they're working on other movies for Star Wars. And I think that that may not even be decided at this point. Right. Um, they're probably in the write everything that you come up with on the board stage of ideas. Right. Um, but I think that Ryan Johnson's future involvement in these projects would indicate that nine does not backtrack very much from eight. But he has even come out and said he's fine if JJ wants to retcon the whole parents thing. Yeah, you can't just you can't come out in public and say I hate JJ and don't want him to move my things around. Right, but do you really he knows exactly what happens in 9. Do you think that he would right. make that statement if they weren't going to retcon her parents? That's why I'm just going ahead and like assuming they're going to do it. And I don't know. Disney has me so turned around. Remember the Infinity War trailer? That wasn't even yeah. in the movie. Like none of it. Yeah. And I'm so, guessing it's going to be the same with Endgame. Knows? So let's talk what's actually in the trailer. The trailer opens with this shot of Ray in the desert, which is very similar to the opening shot of the very first teaser for Force Awakens, which just opens with a desert and then Finn. But this time it's Ray holding a lightsaber and then doing an insane backflip over what I presume is Kylo Ren's spaceship. 
Looks like a kind of souped up Thai Interceptor new version. Right. It's very like north by northwest and like she sees the thing and then she starts running from it. But instead of like falling to the ground or doing something defensive, it's like you get to see this new side of Ray. That's like a full on attack offensive. She, maybe not new side, but you know. I th- I mean, Daisy Ridley is just so great at playing this character. Um, yeah. You can, the way that she approaches this, it's like the TIE fighter is doing exactly what she wants it to do. Yes. Then we so get, it's just, it's just cool. Like this is a great short film. Like this trailer right. almost functions as like this incredibly impressive short. I really hope that Disney goes the same route with this, that they're going with Avengers Endgame and just like, give us nothing like yeah, this. I, and then like recut this into a different trailer, but this same exact footage, that's all I want. My, my theory on this is that, um, this is not a major narrative point. Like, I think it's cool visually. Right. I'm guessing that if it is indeed Kylo Ren or something that looks like Kylo Ren, that it's a kind of uh, Darth Vader in the cave on Dagobah situation. Yeah. I don't think that this is the climax of the film. Definitely. There's no way that's, that's possible. Yeah. I'm not even sure if anything in here is from the third act of the film. You know, it's, and that's obviously just conjecture from, I know nothing about this movie, but you know, all of this feels like it's just set up. You know, you have Kylo Ren in the forest, just doing evil things. You have him fixing his helmet, which is, I know a bunch of people freaked out about cause they're like, he's literally re-piecing Ryan Johnson's destruction from eight, which I thought was kind of a, a funny comment. Um, I, I mean, I think narratively that makes sense. The helmet right. coming back. I, I think that, that, that that's going to work out. Right. And I think like poetically, if you look, I mean, you know, George Lucas, you know, it's poetry. It, you know, you got to tie things together. They work well as you, you know, blah, blah, blah. That works pretty well as like, he's trying to go back to what he was before all of like the collapse and everything happened, you know, and him putting that helmet back together is him trying to reconnect to Darth Vader, which is then connecting everything to the previous trilogies. It, it works. We get shots of, you know, Billy D Williams doing his thing. Oh man. I forgot he was going to be in this and then I saw the trailer. Oh, it's so good. He's so cool. Yeah. And other than that, I mean, you get a shot of an emotional shot of Leia. You get shots of Finn and Poe. You get, you get a little bit of everything. You get to see everybody. You get BBA. It's basically I mean, like, hey, here's all your friends. Check them out. They're going to be back. And then you get to the final shot, which is, you know, this almost seven samurai-esque look of all of them. You know, you get Chewie, BB-8, C-3PO, Ray, Oscar Isaac, uh, Poe, and then Finn. And then, it, you know, the shot flips around to reveal what they're looking at, which is a fallen Death Star from the original trilogy. At least that's what we think. And it looks pretty incredible. Yeah, that that shot is really good. That shot for me was very similar to that shot of Ray, you know, zooming across the landscape. And as it kind of pans, you see that she's zooming across a fallen uh, battleship. Uh It was very similar to that shot for me. Yeah, I agree. You know, then we we get to the end of the trailer and there's this laugh that any Star Wars fan will notice is the laugh of Palpatine 
Our friend Ian McDarmid back from the dead force ghost question. Force ghost. Um, I don't know. I'd be curious. Did he somehow impart his force ghostness into Snoke's body? Is Snoke alive? Is he? Yeah. I don't think Snoke is alive. That seems pretty unlikely. I've heard, you know, there's numerous theories out there and all of it's just random talk but right you know there's 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 thoughts that maybe he cloned himself and there was more of him you know in the last film they set up this idea of being able to force project yourself and maybe he force projected to himself at the in the sixth movie and he was never really even at that place you know there's there's all these different things that it could be but it is exciting. I mean, I'm excited about it. And if there's any doubt that it was Ian McDiarmid, Ian McDiarmid showed up on stage at Star Wars Celebration after the trailer played and said, I'm back. <laughs> Pretty clear. But, I mean, like I said, there's there's a lot of ways that this could happen without being a weird, like, retcon destruction of the canon kind of thing. I mean, for all we know, it's a video that's just looping in the Death Star. Right. Also, we know that J.J. Abrams is willing to push the envelope on this because he restarted Star Trek and included Leonard Nimoy in his film. Which was a great choice there. I'm... We've said that we said this in our text group. J.J. doesn't make bad movies, but he also has made mediocre movies. His movies are either good or mediocre. And that's, you know, kind of nerve-wracking when you mix that with the fact that you know, the co-writer is Chris Terrio, and Chris Terrio doesn't have the best track record. It's, it's But this, has done good things? <laughs> has he? His last couple of films are all the DCEU films that are the films, you know, before the DCEU started getting on the right track. It, you know, he did Justice League, Batman vs. Superman. He's done Argo. So, clearly the rule of... You know, two bad ones, one good one is alive and well. <laughs> I think that any any negatives that, that Chris Terrio brings are balanced out by JJ's positives. I think that JJ has a knack for for dialogue that's universally accepted. Um that's that just kind of nails the serious with a little little bit of a light air to it i think that i I, i'm not worried about that aspect i'm i'm more i'm not nervous i'm ex it's i'm more just i'm trying to just keep a level head i think is the way i'll phrase it you know it's just one of those like don't get too hyped just and it's hard because you know trevor you hit it on earlier but eight for me is the best star wars movie since 1982 maybe (laughs) since 1980 yeah or 1983 sorry it's i go back and forth on whether it's better it's hard to beat the original trilogy i even like return of the jedi but it's hard star wars is an interesting place in that they have two very separate fan bases now split based on people's uh, perception of Star yeah. Wars episode 8. And so how do you how do you make a movie for that? Do you just make a movie and say, "Hey, we're going to make this movie. We hope everybody likes it." 
Do you try and make something that balances out and then doesn't make either side happy? Or do you try and make something that goes, look, eight is what it is and we love it. We're going to just keep going down that path. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's, I think that you, I, I would say that I don't think that Kathleen Kennedy was consciously making a decision between those two things. I think she was hiring people who were going to make a good movie. But I mean, with that, I feel like with that choice, JJ is the safest bet. Like he's right. the safest yeah. Yeah. of all he's, of it. He, like, like you said, even if his movies are mediocre, they're fun. Like he's going right. to make a fun adventure that's going to, it's going to keep your attention. It's going to move you along. It's going to be pretty. There's going to be some lens flare. It's going to be the JJ Abrams experience, which is like you said, never a bad one. And I would say that even if this movie ends up being mediocre, as long as it gives a fulfilling ending, I think that it is held positively in the public right. eye. Yeah. And and it can be I mean, I, I feel like that's the case with, with the prequel trilogy. Like we don't think they're good movies, but we accept them as canon and as part of the story. Like like you you almost view them in two separate lenses as far as like this is how they fit into the saga and it's it's fine but the the movies themselves are really poorly made yeah it's what's the um gymnastics thing where you like you run and then you hit the thing like the trampoline the the vault vault it this movie for me is like that and maybe the trick isn't great and you know that's fine, but as long as you stick the landing, the judges are going to be like, ooh, the 9.5. You stuck the... And it's like, that's kind of where I'm at. As long as you stick the landing, I'm good. If it middles a little because bit... we... Like, you essentially... I mean, you don't know exactly how it's going to get there, but, like, you know the very... Ba- like, you walk into this movie, and you know the very basics of what's happening at the end. But that's you the thing. Like, I don't know how we get there and what the cost is. Right. I hope that they go. I've waited a long time for a Star Wars movie that just fully goes into mythology and that fully just explores the philosophy of all of this. And that's what I loved about Last Jedi. And I hope that this movie continues on that. You know, the TV shows have almost been. 10 times more, and I get, get it. You have hundreds of episodes. You can explore as weird of things as you want. But the TV shows explore way more mythology into the Force and the light versus the dark and the balance and all of that than the movies ever have. And I just for once would love to see a movie go there and just nerd out. I don't think it's going to be this one. You think it's Ryan Johnson's trilogy? Yeah, I think I think that's... I think that's that direction that that's going Ugh. like get into that like knights of the old republic kind of stuff yeah but that's 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 my you know that's my biggest worry is that this movie ends up just playing it too safe because there's a very safe movie there that you could make that would be pleasing everybody's like yay but it doesn't it doesn't challenge its audience it doesn't challenge anything in the movie or any of the characters just kind of lets them go on this journey and then they get to the end. It's almost like, as much as I hate to say it, the Parks and Rec finale. It's just like, <laughs> yay, everybody got cool new jobs and is super happy. Yep. 
Overall, I mean, are you, you think it's a great trailer though, right? Oh yeah, it's a fantastic trailer. I think it's perfect. I think I will not watch any more of the trailers. I'm sufficiently excited. I'm going to try to do as little thinking about this movie as I can until December. Um, and think about the 15 other sequel movies that are coming to theaters between now and then. Oof. That's if we were to place a bet on that over under, I would take the over that there are more than 15. There's, there's a lot of sequels this year. I know we talk about it all the time. Everyone talks about it, but I think this year is the most that I can remember. There's just like, so many. It's almost every week from now to the end of the summer. Ugh. Yikes. There's probably two a week. I mean, there's probably, you could probably make yeah. a safe bet that there's 30 plus. Got Shaft and Men in Black coming out on the same the same weekend later cool. this summer. Cool, cool, cool. Speaking of sequels and all things Disney, Disney Plus was officially unveiled. I guess that's a, what we what you call it this week. And you know, we had placed ideas out there of this is going to be twenty bucks for all the Disney catalog. This is going to be five fifteen. And we were all very wrong. <laughs> this is six ninety nine a month or sixty nine ninety nine a year. I can't believe this. Although the more I think about it, the more it makes sense because so Netflix has what is it twenty five million subscribers? Is that oh, right? Something way over like that. that. I think is they're closer to like one hundred and twenty. Okay, so this price point is going to rival Netflix immediately immediately like that's that's the difference if you um if you do this at 15 bucks a month then i think you get as fourth of the many people but seven bucks a month that's less than lunch most of the time you know yeah like for this catalog especially if you have kids this is a no-brainer for people who have kids like it's just right but but i mean i think like would it, would it surprise you at all if they like if they said if they said the first week they had 50 million subscribers it wouldn't surprise me a bit nope it wouldn't surprise me if they did a pre sign up type thing and just to kind of help the traffic maybe from yeah. that initial although and they had I, 50 million from that right i will say disney doesn't mess up things like that so they're going to do it right Right. Like they don't, they don't mess up. They don't do like AMC with the infinity war tickets a couple weeks ago. Disney doesn't do those kind of major ball drop there. You guys. But I mean, this is, this is huge. I I was shocked. I'll, I do have a couple things. I think it's going to be one screen at a time. I assume at this price point. And then also I think they're going to do a much better job than Netflix does with password sharing. I have another prediction for that. I don't know if they're going to do two-factor authentication or something like that, but um, I bet that they work on that. Yeah. And I can see with with Disney trying to get this right and really know that, hey, it really matters that you nail this first try. Uh, I can see, and that maybe is why they're waiting until November to release this. You know, I I feel like, uh, if I remember right, they had said like second quarter, late second quarter, early third quarter as initial release date. And now it's middle fourth quarter. It's been almost, it'll have been like a, almost a, like I think a full year since they initially announced the idea. Right. Um, and it's going to debut. 
maybe part of that is the fact that like the TV shows that they want to have ready day one aren't going to be ready until then, like Mandalorian. I think there's a High School Musical TV show. Lady and the Tramp is going to be ready then too. I think right. You know, and there's there's a bunch of other things that they're going to release. I mean, you can Google full list of everything. There's Marvel TV shows. It's too much. It's too much content. There's the amount. And I think they said something like within the first two years, all of the Disney catalog will be on there. Like there's going to at first be 500 movies and 7,000 episodes of TV. Uh, and then it'll, you know, they'll put, try and put everything on there. Including every episode of the Simpsons. Yes. All 30 years of the Simpsons. So if that's your thing. And then they also said that, uh, there may be a chance that Hulu and ESPN plus are also involved in this. Yeah. I mean, I would, I'd pay the heck out of 15 or 20 bucks a month for a bundle of those three. And that'd be my only TV for a while. Right. There's just so much to go through that Disney's just about to be raking in the Buku bucks. Yep. I mean, it's, we, we saw how they flipped their investment on Lucasfilm. It's going to be the same thing with Fox. That's just right. what they do. And they actually, Bob Iger came out today, I think it was, and said that one of the biggest parts of the Fox purchase was building Disney Plus content. So they're planning on fully using all of those Fox movies to put up on Disney Plus. Good for them. Man. What, what like a business to have that you buy... A one of the other major six movie studios just so you can play their movies on your TV channel. Right. <laughs> yeah, my hope would be that at some point they're like, hey, let's release the theatrical cuts of all the Star Wars movies. Is that too much to hope for? Yeah, I don't know. I know that is it uh I know that Turner has the rights to the original six. Is it through twenty twenty four or something like that? I can't I can't remember. I thought it was earlier than that, but maybe, maybe you're it's right. maybe it's maybe it's it's at least a couple years. Um the original six Star Wars films are owned by Turner for their rights for streaming, so those unfortunately will not be on Disney Plus for a while. Oh no no, they all will be. Oh, they will be? Right. Yeah, they will be. Oh, I thought they won't I thought they weren't going to. No, all of every Star Wars movie will be on there day one. Okay. Maybe I guess I don't know what that cost them. You know, Disney's probably fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm not worried. Right. Nobody should be worried about <laughs> Disney. They're doing just dandy. They're about to get... I mean, just even if you were to take ticket sales at Disneyland, they're expecting 200,000 people a day when when Star Wars Land first opens, which yeah, is I, an I incredible mean, number. I want to go, but I'm going to have to wait five years right. to, fight, to, to avoid the crowd. Right. And if you just even think, like, what, tickets are... $120 a day right oh now times 200,000. So $24 million a day just in ticket sales. So that's unfathomable. So, and if, that's, yeah. If Disney were to put their money into Scrooge McDuck vaults of coins, <laughs> how many yes. would they have to build? <laughs> I mean, they would have to have like, a Mariana's trench deep of <laughs> that. And only James Cameron would go to the bottom. Of it. 
Oh, you know, if the, if they dig it, he'll he'll go to the bottom. He'll adventure there, and then he will incorporate the footage in his movie. Oh man, but that's probably enough of Star Wars and Disney conjecture and talk and excitement. So, good job, Disney. You've took thirty minutes of our podcast free advertisement. We would like to go to the premiere of Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. If it's an option, you would go. Yes, I will. I will agree with that. You would. Okay, I'll ask Jake. I don't. I mean, he's kind of. I'm sure he'd be iffy on whether or not he'd go. <laughs> you know, it's fine. We would also accept literally anyone who worked on or is in the film as a guest. Literally anyone. Yes, like production interns. We would have him on the podcast. Catering. The person who drove JJ to and from set, because I assume that. When you're a director like that, you don't drive yourself. No way. Only if you want to, I guess. Right. Only if like a new company car that's like, a, oh, you want to drive the Ferrari to set today? You know, I think I do. Hmm. Okay. But all right, let's get it on to Guava Island, which I'm sure, I don't know. I feel like film Twitter hasn't said much about this. So maybe we are one of very few places that is reviewing guava island your exclusive podcast of all things donald glover (laughs) he's so talented (laughs) i feel like we say that all the time we're always just like oh donald glover best (laughs) okay let's let's talk about the movie what did you think yeah this is an interesting thing it's it's like sort of a a political movie and it's also sort of a music video um, right it's like half beyonce lemonade half what i think rocket man will be <laughs> yeah it's kind of like the next logical step from lemonade i guess right and then it has kind of a it's more of a traditional movie than lemonade but also like brings a different meaning to a previously incoherent set of songs. Right. If that makes sense. Um, I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was, um, it's sometimes too long and also would have benefited from a more fleshed out narrative that was a little bit longer. Um, but I think it was overall good. I think it was interesting. I think there's a lot of symbolism in it. I think I would really need to watch it again to completely pull everything out of it. Um, but yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool, just interesting thing. It's a nice story of, um, I, I like any story that highlights, um, oppression and, and power imbalances. And I think, I think those kind of stories are really important and somehow becoming even more so, even though as a, our society has progressed in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I, I overall enjoyed this. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it too. It's something that. I think I liked a lot more when I first finished it. And as I've kind of sat with it, it's kind of, I don't know if downgraded is the right word, but it's, you know, it has a half-life and it's kind of gone downhill somewhat for me. And I guess part of that, it just is it, it doesn't feel like it had enough. It felt like this was something where they like they shot it last summer and then they're like, okay, we'll edit it this winter when we when our schedules calm down. And then, you know, they got back to editing and then they're like, oh, dang, we only have 56 minutes of a movie. 
uh, okay. That's what it kind of felt like to me. Because this is, and I, I, I don't, you know, that's not to talk on the quality of the film, but it just kind of feels like if they had given this a little bit more, this could have been great. You know, more music. You know, you have Rihanna in this film, and she doesn't sing a single song. Okay, you have Donald Glover, and his past three songs that he's released are, and those are the three best parts of the movie to me. The three times when he does the performances of those three uh-huh. songs. Uh, which is which which it was a little bit weird to me because he kind of started off singing them right. and then it was just like the studio version of the track it would like melt into that at some point which I didn't really like. Oh, I, I it took me a second but once I got over that I loved it. Like especially the this is America part. Uh-huh. That was that I watched that cool. three or four times. The way that was done was was really cool. Especially right. the the principal whatever he says like um if you if if to get rich you have to make rich people yes. richer than that place right. is America. I thought yes. that was that was fantastic. Right, that's a great little setup, and I feel like this movie, I it's this is one of those like the chicken or the egg type situations in my head. Like, did the movie come first, and then they're like, hey, these songs are going to be in the movie. Let's go ahead and release them now so that people are familiar with them. Or did these songs happen? And they're like, okay, let's create a movie around these songs. I'm curious which of those yeah, happens would, first. I would bet the songs came first, if only because for how long the This Is America video has been out and the intricacies involved in making that video. But I think um, they shot this last summer, and I think that this came out. I think that This, this Is America. This Is America video came out? Was it last that's summer? That's what I'm looking at. Um, I thought it was last. I know the summer, well, the other two songs came out last summer because those were, you know, they were titled The Summer Pack. This is America came out May 5th. Okay. So if you think they were, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe this it did come first, which is almost more impressive. Like being able to work that into the narrative uh-huh. of the story. Well, it kind of seems like the, the underlying like theme or the thing this movie is trying to say is that America is not better than other places, even though you think it is, or even though you've been taught it is. Right. I mean, you could even simplify, like, simplify it down to the grass isn't always greener. Like, just because right. you're like, hey, yeah. I'm going to get out of this and go do this. It's like, there's still, you still have to answer to somebody. Like, just because you get out of one situation of something, you, there's, you're always going to answer to somebody. And I think, I always love that message because it's more like, how do I, it's not how do I get out of this, but how do I learn to cope with this or deal with this or you know how do i learn to have this situation play to my benefit how what can i learn from this and i think that's always kind of like a powerful thing to touch on it's like you know do you keep teach your kids hey this thing is bad or do you teach your kids hey here's why this isn't the best thing and here's what it can do you need to more learn how to you know, do things in moderation or just not be a part of that at all. If that's not something that you can handle. So why do you think this is something I've, I've kind of, you know, this movie was announced officially that it'd be released like last week sometime. And why do you think they released it the way that they did through Coachella and then put it online on Amazon prime? Do you think it's because the movie was so short? Maybe. 
maybe didn't want to build up too much hype to it. But also, you know, drop things like this immediately, people kind of scramble for it because they had no right. idea what was going on. Kind of like when when the, uh, whatever, was it 2014 when Beyonce dropped that album in the middle of the night and no one yeah. knew that it was going to happen? Um, so I think it was self-titled Beyonce. Um, but... But yeah, I, I think I think I think you're you're kind of on it. I think that a Donald a movie starring Donald Glover and Rihanna and Letitia Wright, written by Stephen Glover, directed by Hiro Murai, like people would have been talking about this in their most anticipated movies of the year, and we're really looking forward to this, and we're really excited about it. And I think that if you let hype build on this, it's this would have been a letdown. For what it ended up being, but I Not feel like if you had all. like let the film, you'd given the film more time, and like okay, maybe they go back this summer, shoot another thirty minutes, and then re-edit it. I think this is a film that plays great with audiences. Yeah, I I agree with that too. Yeah, I think that I think that you have if you turn this into something that's about an hour forty, I guess almost double the time. Tell the same kind of story, draw it out a little bit. Give me more character moments with um, uh, Denis and Kofi, which are the best parts of the movie, and there aren't enough of them. Um, and this right. is this is what cleans up on the film festival award circuit right. in this fall, which it very easily could have. And so I, you know, it's hard because I feel like what we got is good, but what we could have gotten is great. If yeah, they... there's a there's a a nugget in here of something that is um like the first of its kind in a way. Right. I, I think where I get frustrated is like it's hard to address what an artist's intent is or what right. you know, what what did they want this to be? Had they set out just wanting to make this a fifty six minute, like, hey, we've got a couple weeks this summer, let's just go shoot something in Cuba. And if that's that was if this was their intent, then job well done. You did a good job. But I just feel like it could have been more, and that's I, I want more. I wanted more because in a way, this is Atlanta's one thing. Atlanta is a great TV show that you know has a lot of the same elements that this does. It has Hiro Murai directing, has Donald Glover producing and acting, it has Stephen Glover writing. It's it's a lot of the same, or a lot of very similar things. And I feel like this was almost like, this could have been the, like, this is their coming out party. It's almost like, you know, Jordan Peele's Get Out. And instead of that, it ends up being a longer episode of Atlanta. I think, I I. Th- yeah, I completely agree with everything you're saying. But I think that if Donald Glover were listening to us, what he would say to us is is that he wasn't trying to make something within the confines of what we think of as film. He was trying to make the specific thing that they made. Hmm. Um and I, I take a lot of that from um the impression of him that I got from the New Yorker piece last year. Yeah. Um and and I think that he doesn't think about Atlanta as a TV show and he doesn't think about Guava Island as a movie. I think that he conceptualizes those things differently. So you think that he's just looking at these as like, I just want to go out there and put out something great. 
I want to tell this story that whether, I mean, I, I assume he was, in, I know, I know his brother wrote the screenplay, but I assume he was involved with the story at some level. And, but it's just a, or maybe it's a we thing with, with Donald and Steven and hero, but thinking like, we just want to tell stories in these ways in which we have the talent to tell them. We don't care about structure. We don't care about format. Um, that's not what, that's not what they're about. They're not about falling into the Hollywood system, um, winning a bunch, bunch of Oscars. Um, they're about telling the stories and sharing the experience they want to share in a way that makes sense to them. Right. And that's, that's good. Which is great because they're the artists. I mean, that's, that's what they, that's their prerogative. Right. And they should be pushing the boundaries and, you know, it's hard because so often we look at a movie and, and I, I mean, we as in you, me and Jake, and we go, wow, they really stripped this down, cut it down. It's this bare bones, like short, simple storytelling. But at what point does it become too short and too simple? And that's what I keep wrestling with. I can also tell you, though, that if, well, it's not quite short enough, but as a um, former social studies teacher, I would teach the heck out of this film in my class. I would show this film in my class and talk about um, talk about um, economic structures, power structures, oppression, um, industrialization. There's a lot of core social studies principles on display here. Right. I don't know if that was I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I think that it's really rich in that area. And hopefully that I think that would be maybe the best possible use of this film. Is to teach to, younger audiences about realities there's a lot of powerful messages within this and you know seeing this movie and hearing those three songs that at least for the three of us i say three of us jake's not here but for both of us i I assume are pretty familiar songs like i can't tell you how many times i've listened to this is america or his summer pack of those two songs and it's it's interesting seeing them in this it's almost like you learn a whole new context about these songs like you you have a whole different view of uh-huh. how these songs were meant to be interpreted yeah and, and it does it does kind of raise that like chicken or egg argument which i think is i think that kind of argument is a great way to talk about art and what its significance is and what things mean um so yeah i think that's a really i think i think it's a really interesting thing i think it's a really i think i think guava island as a whole is more interesting than it is good for a lot of reasons that i mean like what we've been talking about the past 10 minutes right and at the end of the day i i was i was entertained i was it made me think about things it made me you know drop what i was doing and commanded my viewership and i, I think those are all things that you would expect from a movie and so I, what they made is good and that should be celebrated at the end of the day and I mean, whatever we said tonight, I don't think that anybody could argue that cinematography-wise, this film is beautiful. Yeah, this is a well-made movie. This is a quality film. Right. (laughs) I mean, sound production, visuals, the the acting is great. I didn't think that... I don't... I think the only things that I've... Oh, no, that's not true. I've seen Rihanna probably in two different films, one of which she's great in, Ocean's 8, and one of which is a garbage film that I don't feel like it's very fair to judge her <laughs> Battleship. on. Battleship. Oh, no, not Battleship. Oh. Okay, I haven't seen Battleship. I was talking Valerian. 
I haven't either seen. I haven't seen Battleship either, but I knew she okay. was in it. No, I was talking Valerian, and that movie. I only watch games based on, based on, or I only watch movies based on board games that I like. Oh, okay. So you're not a big Battleship fan, but you're really looking forward to that Risk movie. Yes, that's what I, that's what's gonna really get me excited. Cool. That should be. Also, love Clue. <laughs> Uh, I was not ready for that out of all the things. <laughs> the sorry movie that's coming is going to be brilliant. I can't wait Ooh, for that, that to get would made. Be, that would be something. Uh, <laughs> I, on, the, on that note, I thought Rihanna was fantastic. She was good enough almost to overtake my love for Donald Glover in this. Mm. Um, and I really think that like where this film could have been better was like, the very beginning of the day where they're chilling at home. Like there was so much chemistry and so much life there. And it just only lasted for like 30 seconds. Like that, that they nailed this feel. I was in it completely. And then it's just, we're gone. We're off to the next thing. And I think that the interactions of those two characters of Donald Glover and, and Rihanna's characters were my favorite part of the film, as I said earlier. And I thought we only got that like basically two times. Right. Um, and that was kind of disappointing to me. I think that that's where you can build this film and make it instead of it being his film, it could be their film. Right. And that's, that's, I mean, Trevor, you nailed it on the head. The strongest part of this movie is when they're together in their relationship. And, you know, I just wanted more of that. That's such a beautiful relationship. And it was fun to watch Rihanna because I feel like she, she really gave it her all and the subtleties of her performance and what she was able to give on screen is, is amazing. And I just, you know, it's that whole thing again of like, I just wanted more for them, but if, if this is all that they wanted, then great, that should be celebrated. Who am I to say what, you know, that what's not on screen is maybe more important. That's not why we review movies, you know? And then there's things like, um, what did you think of Letitia Wright and Nonso Anozi? Um, I thought they were very good as well. Um, Letitia Wright is just so fun. Um, she just has this energy about her that's that's really impressive. Um, but, um Anozi was good too. He he kind of nailed that perfect line of like the, um, I don't know. I think of like Army Hammer and Sorry to Bother You. Mm-hmm. Um, and tr- I'm trying to think of other examples, but just this kind of like this person who is not good, but likable enough. Um, Paul Bettany's character in solo is kind of like this too. Yeah. Like this, he has this like civilized genteel air to him, but he's like, obviously a terrible person. Right. Anything that that Woody Harrelson has ever been in. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and I think that, I think that, um, Nonzo and did a really great job in that role. Um, I, I was felt believable. It felt real. Um, I loved his short sleeve suits, mm-hmm. which were which are apparently a thing. Right. Um. I mean, you know, it's 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 hot down there. But yeah. I, I mean, I thought I thought the main characters in the cast were all very good. I'm with you. So, you know, we have that animated bit at the beginning that kind of explains what Guava Island is. But did you did you feel like this movie warranted? needing the setup of like its own thing of like okay let's explain what this island is yeah i i thought i thought it was nice it was beautiful 
right wonderfully animated i think it was a nice setup i think that the biggest thing it does is it shows you it introduces this the importance of the colors and the symbolism right the, the blue representing the people and the nature and the authenticity and the red representing the industrialization and the progress in the future do you think this movie got its point across uh, I think so. I think it's pretty clear what it's trying to say. I mean, made even clearer by this is America being making an appearance in it. All right. Well, do you have any other thoughts, or should we get to our final thoughts and ratings? I don't think so. I think it's um, I think it's interesting. I I, I want to revisit it sometime in the next few weeks or months um, to kind of take it in again. Uh, uh-huh. But it's but it's definitely an interesting thing. Um, my rating. Ugh. There aren't really numbers in this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna give this uh since its runtime is some somewhat significant, I'm gonna give this like forty two out of fifty five minutes. Okay. Um That's I think fair. it's good, I think it's well made. Uh my frustration is like like you said, that it could have been I think something really great, but instead it was something very good. I'm with you. I I gave this this would be like a B plus. I've cooled a little bit since I finished it. I think if you had asked me the second I finished it, I'd be like, this is an A, this is incredible. And like like we said, the performances are great, the story is great, the message is good, the music's good. Everything's good, but it just cuts you a little bit short. All right, well, that's all we have for our review. Let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Trevor, what is your content of the week? I don't know. I haven't really... I'm kind of in a weird place. I haven't really seen a lot of things lately that I would recommend particularly. Um... I'm trying to catch up on the X-Men movies because Dark Phoenix is coming out and uh, they don't they didn't <laughs> age well. Um, which So which ones have you watched? The original three and then a couple okay. of the Wolverines. I just watched X-Men First Class for the first time and it did not age well. I know that it was well-reviewed at the time, but I did not think it was very good. Really? I liked that yeah. movie a lot. I thought it was kind of fun. It looks it looks bad. I, huh. I I did I watched it on DVD though, so there is that caveat. Like CGI wise, it looks bad. Or... Yeah, just like well, like cinematography wise, just like okay. the colors, the the feel of it, it just doesn't look quite right. Okay. Um, so what's next that, on the list? Um, I I just got um, Days of Future Past from the library, okay. and I'm actually looking forward to that one. I know that people really like it. Okay, I'm gonna um, save you the trouble. Apocalypse is garbage. I know it's bad. I know it's but bad. Maybe I'm the most important though. film to watch <laughs> in order to go into Dark Phoenix because it introduces that younger cast. Uh-huh. Um, but Logan but also, is the best X Men yeah, movie. Yeah, I still need. I've been. I was gonna watch it. I've been meaning to watch it several times. I still haven't seen it. Um, but then once I once I saw Dark Phoenix was coming out, I decided just to watch all of them and fit it in in the order. Whether it actually makes a difference in what happens in Dark Phoenix or not. Yeah. I don't think it will. Um, I don't think it will either. Um, anyway, also I saw Aquaman and I wasn't really that impressed. I thought it was <laughs> very fine. Oh, bummer. It was. It was. It, the problem was that it was too serious. Its serious moments were its worst moment. Oh, a hundred percent. I but want, it's also I want, ridiculousness is what right. Uh, this this movie is better when Jason Momoa is running around being a bro and quipping things on land way better when it's on land which is bad when it's about aquaman <laughs> yeah um all right my anyway con- i have i have no content of the week all that to say right that's that's <laughs> fine trevor that's okay <laughs> yeah, i'm kind of with you i'm 
you know, I'm re-watching the Avengers movies and MCU stuff, getting ready for Endgame, which we should mention that if you're somebody online that is trying to spoil Endgame because you leaked footage or whatever is out there, don't don't be dump that person. Your, dump your water bottle onto your computer. Yes. That's what you deserve. That's a great way to phrase it. But I mean other than that, it's like my wife and I've been catching up on New Girl. Um, and rewatching that, and that's still incredible. Would highly a recommend good, that. Good, solid show. Just a right. good show. And it's it's funny because the show originally started out, you know, just the story of Jess, Zoe Deschanel's character, and then it's like it becomes about all these people, and it's just in such a like natural way, you know, you, with Nick and Schmidt and Winston and Cece and Coach at certain points. It's, the chemistry between all of them is incredible, and all of their Here's characters a- are amazing. Here's a hot take. You ready? Okay. New Girl is better than Friends. Hmm. That's an interesting hot take. I think it will definitely age better than Friends. When you watch Friends now, I've well, at least when I watch it now, I think all of these people are dumb except for Chandler and Joey. Right. Uh, Joey even is. I mean, Joey. Joey is like the only person who is not not a dummy all the like like I mean he's like the least intelligent but he like is not making actively stupid decisions over and over again. That's fair. I would yeah. Ross is awful. Goodness, he's awful. Ross is awful. Monica's annoying. Um, Rachel just kind of is there. Phoebe is also great too because she does her own thing. Right, but I feel like Phoebe's just there when they're like, okay, we need filler. Let's put Phoebe in. And then, like, towards the end, they're finally like, oh, let's give Phoebe some storylines. Let's let her marry Paul Rudd. Right, who hasn't aged. Still to this day. No, no. Anyway, so there's my hot take. We, even though we don't do it anymore, you yeah. girl better than friends. I would, I would say on the hotness scale, that's very hot. That's, you know, a I mean, million especially, Scovilles. Especially compared to public public opinion general consensus right i that's i don't know if i agree with it but it's a very hot take i'll give you that much so all right well that's all we have for this week's episode we'll be back with a new episode next week where we review something else who knows what because nobody wants to mess with Endgame, so nobody's putting anything out no next week. No one even wants to go the week before. <laughs> right, nobody. But what's funny is, like, there's stuff coming out the week after. Like, there's, um, what's that new long shot? The film with Seth Rogen and Charlie's Throne. Which I guess yeah, is a completely that's a, different... That's a counter-programming. That's a right. clear counter-programming pick. But is there counter-programming to Avengers? Like, can you counter program that or is that just all consuming fire yeah i don't i mean that's why nothing is nothing else is coming out that weekend yeah because there's you can't counter program it because people take their kids to it they take their girlfriends to it they'll go see it three times yeah i mean like even your even i mean i think maybe the only different demographic it's not surefire is like the over 60 crowd right Um, right but my dad would love to see this. He just doesn't have time to keep up with all the other ones. He won't be going right. to see it. But even but right. even people like that age, mid-50s, they're on board with this. Yeah. Well, maybe next week we'll get to anniversaries of Matrix or Watchmen. But uh, If you've enjoyed listening to us, please go to iTunes or Spotify. Subscribe, rate, review us, and go share us with your friends and family. If you want to know more about us, then you can go to our website at Popcorn Optional. If you want to interact with us, the best place to do that is on Twitter at Popcorn Optional. 
My name is Cameron Selena. You can find me on Twitter at 321CamiTime or on the movie social media app Letterboxd at CSelena. Trevor, where can we find you online? I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at TurboTrevor. I, I always give a rating and I type a little like a 75 to 100 word review on Letterboxd yeah. if you want to know kind of some, some, some succinct thoughts on what I've been watching. Yeah, they're always good. Worth worth a follow. Uh, Jake, you can find online at jakebrown.tv. So, in the words of Truman Burbank, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Make good choices, kids.